We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds. He has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap looking left. Now over the middle. He pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Paul with staff writer Little Steve. Steve Ribeiro and Martin Cruz. Today's guests, we have Ramswire, USA Ramswire's Cameron De Silva. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. How are you today? Good. How's everyone? Doing great over here. A little chilly out here in California, but doing well. well I don't want to hear chilly in California. We, <laughs> it's warm like, in New York today, surprisingly. Well, now I have to ask this question. Are you serious? Chilly? What's the temperature? Uh, well, now it's balmy. It's 58, but this morning it dropped oh my. 27. <laughs> Cameron, where are, you? where are you located right now, by chance? I'm in Connecticut. We had a warm day today. It was like 65. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Hey, man. fellow nutmaker. 
I got to throw this out there before we get going here. Are you serious, Martin? 50 degrees and you're chilly? Yeah. <laughs> California, it's a California Alaska freezing thing. Oh my gosh! Just, <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so Cameron, we 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 asked the show we wanted to just fire things at you and just really kind of just delve into free agency. We have a lot of questions. We don't know where we're going with the Rams this this off season. This is probably the most complex off season we've seen for the Rams in a very very long time. Probably because the stakes are higher because the the contracts are. <clears throat> So many contracts are up. So many people may need to be cut. Where do you get a feel for the general direction of where the Rams are going this offseason? Uh, it's going to be a lot different than it was last offseason. Last year, it was it was a lot about going out and um, getting guys, getting new guys who can come in and contribute and become starters. And they did that with guys like Kayvon Webster, Robert Woods they brought in. They they brought in Nicole Roby Coleman and kind of just revamped the secondary and a few positions on, obviously, the offensive line with Whitworth and Sullivan. Um, this offseason, it's going to be a lot about bringing in their, or keeping their own guys. Um, obviously, you have Watkins, Johnson, guys like that, that they're going to try to resign. And it's it's going to be interesting to see whether they can fit all of them under the cap because there are, there are some expensive players. You're going to have Joyner, who's going to get at least $10 million a year. Watkins, if you tag him, that's $16 million. Um, so you got, you got 26 million just between those guys. And then that's before you, you talk about Tremaine Johnson and John Sullivan. So I, I think this off is going to be a lot about trying to retain their own guys. Where do you see the movement in terms of which guys I want to keep, which guys I don't, they are going to let go. I think two guys that they're definitely going to keep. I, I, I have a hard time seeing them let, uh, Sammy Watkins go just because of what they gave up. They gave up EJ Gaines. They gave up a second rounder. Um, and it, it's going to be hard to let him leave after one really disappointing season, to be honest. Um, I think he only had 39 catches so below 600 yards. So that's a really disappointing season by his measure. And uh, to his to his defense, it's kind of um, it had to do with him coming in in August and kind of having basically half of a training camp to work with Jared Goff and the whole offense, which was a completely different scheme than he had in Buffalo. Um, Sean McVay is all about spreading the ball around and it's not really about one guy. So, uh, he kind of had to adjust to that and, and he did a good job with it. Um, he didn't, he didn't really go out in, in social media and with reporters complaining about not getting the ball enough. And that's a credit to him. So I think him and Joyner are two guys that they really have to resign, especially Joyner. Um, you can get him for say $10 million a year. I think if you even franchise tag him, it might be less than that. So I think those are two guys that are really going to have to lock in on. I could go either way with Tremaine Johnson. Um, I'm not really sure which way they're going to go with that. Derek and I talked about Sammy Watkins last week quite a bit. I was just curious, do you think that the Rams would franchise him if it came to that or would franchise him and get it done? Or do you think that given his weaker year last year, they're going to try and you know maybe reach for his market value a little bit, which – while should still be high because of his talent, would be a bit lower than what the franchise tag would cost for a receiver. Yeah, that, that's where it gets tricky because the franchise tag, you get that security blanket. We're going to have him no matter what, assuming that he signs a tender, which I don't understand why he wouldn't. If you kind of if you take a little bit more of a risk and try to go um, the Alshon Jeffrey route, which the Eagles did this past season, um, last offseason, they signed him to a one year deal. I think it was 14 million dollars. And they basically just gave him a tryout, an expensive tryout, obviously. But and then after I think it was 11 weeks or so, they thought they saw enough from him and signed him to a long term deal. So ideally, that's what you would do with Watkins, maybe sign him for 12 million. 
um, get him a little bit cheaper than the tag. But then you're you're flirting with danger in that regard because you you could have a team um, like the 49ers, like the Bears, like the Browns who could swoop in, offer him $13 million a year for four years. And why is he going to take 12 for one year in Los Angeles? Um, so that's kind of the risk you take. I, that's the best um, best case scenario for them is getting him on a cheap cheaper one year deal where he's not going to cost you $16 million like the franchise tag. And then you have the flexibility of negotiating in the season, which you which you can't do with the tag. So um, I think that's hopefully maybe they've started negotiations already and are working towards that. They have two weeks from now um, to assign him the franchise tag. So hopefully they'll get something done um, before then. But worst case scenario, you tag him, I think. So Sportrack has him at five point, not him being Watkins. Do you really think it'll come to half of the franchise, which will be around 16 mil? It could. I mean, I I usually I, I go by Spotrack a lot. They're usually pretty good with their market value, but I think they're way off with Watkins. Um, some team is going to see. I mean, the, the Rams just gave up a starting cornerback in a second rounder to to get him. Um, so I think some team is going to offer him at least 12 million dollars, 13 million. If I mean, if Alshon Jeffrey can get that money. Um, I don't see why Sammy Watkins can't being younger and staying completely healthy for all of 2017. Um, I think worst case scenario, it is going to be the franchise tag. I know how expensive that is and probably how much the Rams would prefer not to do that. But the only way I don't see them doing that is if they choose to go that route with LaMarcus Joyner or they sign Watkins to, say, a one, two-year deal where it's a little bit cheaper. Who knows? I mean, they, they could go all in on him and think that they saw enough and sign him to a four-year deal. I don't think that would be wise, but um, that, that could be something that they have in their mind. For me, I'm starting to think Galley's free agents are great, but there's one player in particular that we haven't talked about yet, and that's Aaron Donald and his situation. Remember in training camp, he uh, had that holdout. He felt like he needed a better deal, wanted a better deal, ended up coming back. How would that uh, Aaron Donald situation where it may rear its ugly head again if he doesn't get the contract he deserve impact any free agent signings or re-sign moving forward what would happen? Well, with him, he's going to get probably at least $20 million a year. Um, the Rams could maybe structure his contract where um, they push some of that money back so he has a lower cap hit this year to kind of open up things for the rest of their free agents that they have to re-sign. Um, but ideally, they would like to get that done this offseason realistically they don't have to because he's on his fifth year option um he can't hold out if he holds out another year and misses i'm not sure if it's missing um preseason games or regular season games he loses a year of free agency eligibility so next year he would become a restricted free agent instead of an unrestricted free agent so really the the rams have all the leverage but granted they don't want to flirt with danger here and and kind of um show him that they're not willing to commit long-term and that they don't want to pay him because you could see a, a kind of a Kurt Cousins situation or a Le'Veon Bell where the player just, he, he doesn't want to be around, which that's not the sense that I get from Aaron Donald right now based on what he said, but the Rams really do have all the leverage in the situation right now. Well, what is a sense that you get from Aaron Donald right now? I, he seems happy in Los Angeles. He's talking about the the winning culture and how things have turned around and how much more fun things are. Um, when you are winning. So I think I think this playoff run and this and the success that they had this season really makes him want to stay long term. Um, 
Granted, that's not going to make him take a hometown discount or anything like that because he is the best player in football, arguably. Um, but I think you'll see him signed for $20 million and they kind of have to get that done because they're getting a lot of criticism for kind of passing on it last off season when realistically they didn't have to make that deal last year. Would you anticipate that deal coming out before free agency or do you think that the team is kind of talking with Aaron Donald's like, we're going to take care of you maybe, but we want to get through free agency first. Yeah, I, w- I would imagine they'd push it off into the summer, um, kind of figure out who they're going to be able to resign of their own guys and get that whole situation sorted out and then kind of try to take care of him this summer and uh, and leading into training camp. Um, the Rams have been known to do kind of early year deals where they sign players kind of in the middle of the season. I think they did that with um, Ogletree this past season, um, Hecker maybe two years ago, I want to say. So they've done a few deals in season, which Donald might be open to. But on the other hand, a lot of players say once week one comes, I'm not talking about a contract. So um, they kind of have to tread lightly and that's in that uh, kind of situation. I was actually looking at one of uh, the articles on Ramsar. I believe actually you wrote it, and it was uh, about three of you know current Rams players that could actually help out with the cap situation to make this work out. Do mm-hmm. uh, you think Tavon Austin would be one of those players that would be primed to get you know to get uh, cut from the staff itself? Robert Quinn, I think you had mentioned, and Mark Barron. Yep. Uh, any of those three have any real legitimate shot at coming back? Yeah, Austin's a guy who I, I really kind of see them cutting. Um, he provides the, the least amount of salary cap savings because he they would only save $3 million and it'd be $5 million dead money. But instead of paying him $8 million, you have $3 million to go out and sign another player that really can contribute more, whether it's someone to replace John Sullivan or John Sullivan himself. Uh, maybe a cornerback if Roby Coleman doesn't doesn't return. But Quinn and, and Barron are two guys that I really think they they're going to probably try to restructure their deals or try to get them to um, take a pay cut. They're they're making Quinn's making twelve point four million um, against the he's counting that much against the cap next season. And Mark Barron's at 10, 10 million. And realistically, they weren't they weren't all that great this past season. Barron did have a bunch of injuries, whether it was Achilles, um, his knee. I think he had a thumb injury, too. But Quinn, in the second half of the season, he played well, but he didn't really show much in the beginning of the year. And he's a guy who they've protected against injury and and really limited him in the week of practice and, and in the games. And um, So he's not a guy they can rely on to be an every-down player, whether it's rushing the passer or, or playing the run. And he, he almost never drops into coverage, so... Um, I think those are two guys that they'd be wise to move on from just to open up the cap a little bit to to save guys like Tremaine Johnson and Sammy Watkins. Now, what other movement do you see this team taking with, you know, with the Rams and the free agency right now? I think they'll go after, depending on who they sign of their own, um, I think they'll go after a few cheaper guys who can maybe contribute. Um, I, I posted something about five kind of affordable guys who they can look at. TJ Carey's a guy I really like from the Raiders. He's a cornerback. Um, he could play in the slot. He could play outside. So that's something that could be of value in case Johnson or Roby Coleman don't return. And Aaron Lynch is a guy who I'm kind of intrigued by. The Rams have seen a lot of him with the 49ers the past few years. He's been injured a lot the past two years, I think it was. But the first few years of his career, he, he played really well. And he's a bigger guy, a bigger pass rusher. And uh, I think he'd fit well in Wade Phillips' defense. It's it's just going to determine what they do in free agency is going to ter- determine where they look in the draft because they really are, as of now, they're going to be looking at an edge rusher or a cornerback most likely. But 
if you bring back Johnson and Roby Coleman, those needs change. So free agency is going to have a lot of a big implication on what they do in the draft. Let's play a little game here. Stay or go. As you're getting ready to sign off with us today, thanks for coming on again. <laughs> uh, let's just play a game, stay or go. I'm going to go through a list here of the Rams free agents. Just tell us if you think they're going to stay or go. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Troy Hill. He's going to stay. I think he's a restricted free agent, so they'll they'll find a way to keep him. Matt Longinger. He, I think he's restricted too. He'll he'll be around again. Nickel Roby Roby Coleman. He'll be around. He'll, I think they I think they can get a deal uh, a couple two three years where it's it's about a million and a half two million dollars a year. I think they'll be able to afford him, so he'll stay. This is going to get a little harder now as it goes. It's going to make you it's easier right now. Tyron Walker. He'll be back. Derek Carrier. Uh, he's a guy I think they'll move on from just because they're going to have Tamaric Hemingway coming back. Um, you have Higby and Everett, who um, they seem really set on. So I think I think he'll walk. Lance Dunbar. He'll be gone. They didn't get enough out of him to kind of warrant him him coming back for another year. As much as they do need kind of a scat back like him, um, I think he'll be gone. Jake McQuaid. He'll be back. Long snapper. Yep. Thank All God. right. Just... <laughs> <laughs> That Pro Bowl long snap. Yeah, he's a Pro Bowl. <laughs> okay, now it's getting tough. We're getting to the nitty gritty. Dominic Easley. Uh, that's a tough one. I don't I don't know what they – he was working out and he was running again after his knee injury recently. I think he might be a guy they move on from just because of uh, – they have Brockers outside with Donald and they really need to find a true nose tackle, which I don't think – I don't think he is. Cody Davis. Uh, it de- that really depends on what they do with Joyner. Um, he's a good number three safety, but I don't think I would pay him uh, after just a couple years of, of really having some safety experience. I think I would let him walk. I told you he's tougher. Told you. <laughs> there we go. All right. Connor Barwin. He's, I think he's gone. Um, he, he made three and a half million this past year. There's no way the Rams are going to pay him that again. As as good of a guy as he is, and for a veteran presence, um, I think they'll look to get younger at that position. John Sullivan. I think he'll be back. He he has he's such a smart guy at center, and he helped Jared Goff so much with uh, with field reads and calling out the signals and everything like that. They'll find a way to get him back. Sammy Watkins. He'll be back. Whether it's on the whether it's on the franchise tag or a short one year deal, um, he'll he'll be back for another year. Tremaine Johnson. That's the toughest one. Uh, I I really don't know where they go with this because he is he gets a lot of flack for not locking down number one receivers, but he also he has the responsibility of traveling with them every single play and every single game. Um, he can play zone. He can play man. He's best in press man, which Wade Phillips loves to to utilize. I think they're going to find a way to get him back. Um, obviously, it's going to have to be a long-term deal, and it's going to be expensive, but I think they're going to see his value and his familiarity with the scheme already. I think he's going to be back for another year. Okay, here's our last one. You ready? Yep. All right. It's the Marcus Joyner. He'll be back. He's going to he's gonna get paid this offseason, and he really deserves to be um, after getting stuck in the nickel cornerback spot the first three years of his career. He's going to make $10 million a year and be paid like Earl Thomas. So, and I think the Rams are going to be the ones to do that. All right. Cameron, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. We'll hope to have you back again. Of course. Please. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks. All man. right. That's Cameron DeSilver from Rams Wire. Thanks for coming on. Thanks again. All right, guys. So, you just heard, you know, from Rams Wire here. Here's the deal we're heading to the offseason. 
It's getting really down the nitty gritty. It's now February 20th. We haven't seen any real movement with contracts at all. And now we are looking at what do we do with these guys? The other night we talked about Sammy Watkins, Steve and I did. Norm and I really hit hit the bricks with Tremaine Johnson every night. And now you mentioned Martin. You mentioned Aaron Donald. We also talked a bit about LaMarcus Joyner. Those are the two guys we want really want to focus in on tonight. I got some numbers for you guys. I also want to hear your thoughts on where we're going. Really quick, Martin, tell us how you're feeling about Aaron Donald. I feel like with you know the accolades that he won the past year, the play that he put on the field, he walked the walk and talked the talk. And I feel like... Aaron Donald's going to be even, yes, uh, like I know uh, they said, he said that uh, the Rams have all the leverage right now, but I feel like he's going to play hardball in this offseason. And I feel like the upper management, you know, GM Les Need, they've got to make some kind of an, an agreement to avoid this, uh, this situation from repeating itself in the next training camp. Whatever Aaron Donald's going to do is going to dictate a good chunk of uh, what they're going to do in terms of free agency. But I feel like they have to get this done before everything else falls into place. If not, we're going to be in the same position. And whereas in training camp, he's going to hold out. And yes, he'll, you know, he'll lose that unrestricted free agent, uh, or he'll become an unrestricted free agent, or a restricted free agent, sorry, uh, in this coming offseason. But I feel like he's going to play hardball even more so if it does, if a deal isn't finished by the time training camp rolls around in July. I am with Martin here. I think that this season showed the Rams that. That they need to give this guy as much money as they they can, and that the market would warrant. If if you look at his grade on Pro Football Focus, I know it's not a perfect metric here. The highest is a ninety nine point nine. This season, Donald has a ninety nine point seven. His, I mean, the guy is an animal, and it's rare. You can count the number of players, not just defensive players, players on your fingers that have the same impact as Aaron Donald. It's going to cost us a lot of money, but you know we we've been talking a lot about guys that we need to keep this season. I think you have to keep Donald, and I know we have him this year, and I think that they'll have something worked out before the season starts. Okay, so I want to get in some numbers on this. But before I do, let's go ahead and throw a shout out to our sponsor, Sal Martinez, over at the Gold Ram Barbershop at one three seven five five Gold West Street, Westminster, California. It's nine two six eight three. His hours eight a.m to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. On Saturdays, open 7 a.m. to 4 p.m., but he's an appointment-only guy. So give him a call at 714-894-7267. Again, that's 714-894-7267. We had the pleasure, Norm, myself, Johnny, we stopped in at the Golden Ram Barbershop in December for that weekend of New Year's, that horrible, terrifyingly bad, worthless loss. So the 49ers... Got ourselves some great cuts. Saw this museum to Rams football. It's really worth the visit, guys. When we talked this out before, I've said this a couple of times now, only 10% of his customer base are actually Rams fans. So come in there, throw this guy a bone. He's been a great sponsor for us. And, you know, go talk Rams football. It's the old school barbershop experience. Again, that's 714-894-7267. Okay, guys. Now, Aaron Donald... Looking at some numbers here, pull them up before the show tonight. I, I want to focus in on how he's done in comparison to the top defensive linemen in the league. In particular, the tackles, defensive tackles, but defensive linemen in general. In comparison to the top pay guys and their ratings. And you mentioned 
his PFF rating. If you look at the, um, so, so, so um, excuse me, cut, cut. The ratings over at Sport Track, they're off the chart. Okay. You have the top pay guys, Suh, Fletcher Cox, Kawan Short, Marcel Darius. Okay. Their ratings 88.8 for Suh, Cox at 88.75, Kawan Short 88.3, Darius at 87.3, Aaron Donald 98.8. Suh is the highest paid defensive lineman in the NFL at an average salary of 19 million. Six, uh, 62,000 a year, a little bit more than that, actually. Okay, so that's where he is. Right below him, Fletcher Cox at 17.1 million. Aaron Donald's rating is 10 points, 10 points higher than Suss. That's insane. How do you not pay this man? Well, I think it's just last year, I think it was because he had two years left on his contract. They knew they probably knew that they'd get him back out there eventually, and it's a lot of money for a player, especially non-quarterback. Now, obviously, we knew he was worth it before last season. We know it even more now that he's worth being the highest-paid non-quarterback in the league. I think it's clear as day, and I think they are going to pay him this time around. There's only a year left on his contract. I think, as Cam mentioned. They'll let it marinate during free agency, but there's no way they don't pay this guy. And if they don't, somebody else is going to, and we're going to pay for it. Okay, other players in the, on the defensive line average. Now we're talking full defensive line. Suz at number one right now, over 19 mil. The Jets paid Muhammad Wilkerson a little bit less than $2 million from down that line, 17.2. Fletcher Cox, 17.1. Oliver Vernon. From the Giants at 17 mil flat. Number five is J.J. Watt at 16.67 million. That's your top five in defensive line heading into 2018. Now, this is why I'm bringing it up, guys. We have a couple of our listeners, and I, I feel like I'm almost being a dead horse because we talked about this, I think, about a month ago. We have a couple of our listeners who are saying, listen, you cannot pay Aaron Donald like you'd pay a quarterback. You can't do it. You have other guys you're going to have to pay in, in a couple of years. This includes Jared Goff, Todd Gurley. What's the proper argument here? Where do you go with this when, you know, if you are a Rams fan and you're wondering about quarterback pay, worrying about, you know, where this kind of slots in when you pay basically a large percentage of your salary for Aaron Donald to stick with the Rams for five, six more years, what's the argument here? Where do you go? Well, I think. That argument is sound, usually. With any non-quarterback, it's tough to justify paying him that much money. And in this case, it, you just clearly justified. He had four seasons under his belt. Been a Pro Bowl in every one of them. Been a first-team All-Pro every year besides his rookie year. I mean, this guy is hes a generational impact player on the defensive side of the line. He's in his fourth year, and during season two, you knew that he was potentially the best defense player in the league. J.J. Watt was kind of in control of it now. He's not in control of it anymore. It's Aaron Donald, clearly. He finally got his due as defensive player of the year. It's a scary amount of money to throw out a non-quarterback. But 
that money has to go somewhere. And I know people are going to say, well, you've got to pay all these other guys. Well, you know what? I would rather pay Aaron Donald 20 mil than pay Sammy Watkins and Mark Barron that 20 million or something similar to that. He is one of the best single players in the NFL and has been since he walked into the building four years ago. You have to give this guy the money that it's going to warrant to keep him. Steve said basically what I was about to say. There's certain players that you just have to bite the bullet. You're going to have to pay them a lot of money for that type of impact that he does make every year. The performances that he makes on the field speak for themselves. You're hard-pressed to find any other type of player in the NFL that would you know, command that kind of presence at the line that would make the plays that he makes. You can only have you only have a handful, four or five players that would do that, and they're all getting paid or gonna or about to get paid. So I feel like with Aaron Donald, it's a safe investment. Yes, it's an expensive investment, but it's something that you have to take care of. If not, he's gonna fly somewhere else, and now you have a big gaping hole front line of the defense, and it's something you just don't want in this NFL, especially with the way the team is constructed um, on the defensive side of the ball at the moment. Well, here's the thing, though, is is when you're going out there and, and trying to justify this, I don't think there's really any way you cannot justify paying the man except for the fact that it's a lot of money. The Rams, you guys are saying they can't cut him. Or they, mean they can't let him go. They can let him go. They absolutely can. The question is, what's the price you're going to pay? How much does he mean to this defense and how much does he mean overall as team? Is there justification for letting him go? Because that's what—that's the question that. And by the way, guys, I'm not saying this. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate a bit in terms of what about paying players? In the, this is twenty million dollars ish per year that is just gone from your available funds for this one defensive tackle. Is he that special that no matter what, you make sure you pay him that money? He's—he's he's just so worth it, man. He's. We haven't had a player like this in a long time. He, if ever, to be honest. I mean, guys like this don't come around that often. And additionally, if you pay him and you realize that he, they need other spots on the roster and maybe he's taking up too much of the cap, then you trade him. You know, I don't want to ever have to trade this guy, but letting him walk is just the worst possible move. And I mean, similarly, what we saw in basketball recently with Blake Griffin, I know he isn't half the player that Aaron Donald is, but the Clippers felt that they could either pay him or let him walk for free. And they decided to pay him a big contract. They realized that the number at the end of the contract was scary and they got out from under it and they traded him for some decent assets. But similarly, Steph Curry got the same contract as Blake Griffin, and nobody's complaining about how much money he's going to be making. And Aaron Donald is a lot damn closer to Steph Curry than he is to Blake Griffin. You pay this man, he anchors one of the best defenses in the league for years to come, and you build the rest of the team around him. The Rams have done well picking defensive players in the draft that kind of outperform our expectations at a cheaper rate. And I would rather have a bunch of those guys and Aaron Donald than a bunch of good defensive players at decent rates that don't have the impact that Aaron Donald has. Well, with you know, adding to Steve's point, it's it's about you know quality, not so much quantity. And with Aaron Donald, he's 
one of those quality players that you don't want to lose him for nothing. Like he mentioned, who was it? Uh, uh, you know, when in the, in the NBA example, well, I could think Paul George, you know, with Indiana trading him away with one year left on the deal, they got assets in return. If it gets to that point where LA cannot afford to, you know, keep him and paying him, they could at least swap him and then they can get other assets in return. So I feel like, at least in the short term to medium term, you have to have him locked down. And, you know, maybe in, if it's say in 2019, 2020, or 21, they don't feel like he's worth what he's getting paid, then, you know, maybe, you know, ship him out, trade him, and get some assets in return. But I feel like it has to, you know, it's something that you have to do because you're not going to find this type of player, you know, every day in every draft. He just doesn't show up. And Aaron Donald, year in, year out, has proven that he can get it done on the field better than anyone else. All right, so now this is where I'm going to kind of weigh in. because, And again, I don't, I'm not really trying to run counter from you guys. I'm actually going to go back and, and remember the data. Remember where we were before with Aaron Donald. 10, his rating is 10 percentage points higher than Sun, Sud being the highest paid guy in the league. It's not even close. He's, he's the highest paid defensive lineman by almost $2 million. And I would say, yeah, you got to do that. Aaron Donald, to me, is the best defensive lineman in the league. He might be the best defensive player in the league. And really, last year, it wasn't even close. The impact that Aaron Donald made, especially once he got into game shape, you can look at the problems. The Rams got lucky in the Colts game. They pulled away early, put you know, put things away. There were early times in that Colts game where the Colts were able to gash him a little bit without him in the, in the lineup. The Redskins did gash him did gash the entire team made the made the Rams defense look very very soft even for a while the 49ers defense did the same thing well, they did a lot actually a 39 point game that the 49ers scored so I would say listen after that though what happened with Aaron Donald he got himself in game shape look how he took over games for the Rams the rest of the year and just the fact that he is bar none so High, so much better than everybody else. When you see, if you mentioned his PFF rating, right? It was like ninety, like was it ninety-seven point seven? Was it ninety-nine point seven? What was it this year? It was ninety-nine point seven, which okay. was the highest ever. All right, so there was nobody even close to that on the defensive side of the ball. Nobody, none. We're not we're not within three points, not within four. I don't really see at this point how you cannot pay him now. The argument you can make the argument, well, hey, you know, let's pay him after this year. I think that's you're playing with fire. The the longer you wait, the more you risk alienating him. One and two, the older he gets, you want to sign him now. You want him signed in his prime years. You don't want him. You don't want to wait later on until he's 28 and 29, signing him to a more expensive deal, and then all of a sudden, age 31, 32, his knees burn out. You want to get him now. You want to get him paid now, get him settled now, and start building around him now. So that's where we're going to go with that. So I'm with you guys. I just want to make sure we put that whole scenario out there. We look at the numbers, we look at the ratings, and I don't want to think it's close. Maybe you can tell me, is there anybody else right now in the NFL defensively that's as close to him? Is there anybody? Harrison Smith, uh, according to this article I was looking at from none other than Cameron De Silva. Harrison Smith was hovering in the 98 range, and he was somewhat close, but Donald was the only player in the 99s. Okay, so I was a little bit off of the. Um, what about the defensive line? Not listed in this article. 
The yeah, highest, it's not even close, is it? No, the highest grade ever for a season was J.J. Watt in 2013 with 99.5. So Donald's would be a similar impact to what J.J. Watt did. The Texas paid J.J. <laughs> Watt a lot of money, and when he's been on the field, he has been worth every penny. It, Donald is that kind of guy, and right now he's probably a better player than J.J. Watt. Uh, if I'm honest, I think, you know, as much as I love J.J. Watt and he's an amazing talent, amazing player, what he does in the field is just, you know, spectacular. Aaron Donald's been better, in my view. He was better two years ago, in my view. And so I can't really I can't really say anything else than that. Well, the fact that we're saying that means that they should be clearly paying this guy $20 million because J.J. Watt was pretty definitively for a while the best defensive player in the league. And now we're saying that Aaron Donald has been better for a while. Th- that's all you need. I mean, I, yeah, I honestly the best that. players at the position in the last two decades. Okay, Martin, yes. we're going to move on from from Mr. Donald here. We're going to go over here to Lamarcus Joyner. Now, Lamarcus Joyner spent three years as a cornerback, safety, kind of learned the craft. Came in this year, started, and was outstanding. What does he mean to this defense right now? I think explosiveness and a lot of athleticism. I believe he's not the tallest player in the league. He's only, I think, what, five, eight, five, nine, something like that. But his explosiveness and athleticism in the league, I I haven't seen. I was pleasantly surprised with what I saw in him. And just looking at the highlight reel, even right now I'm looking at it, and the guy flies all over the place. I believe he, uh, they moved him to safety uh, this just past season. Uh, with the new coaching staff, and he just completely tore it up. Uh, it's someone that, again, is not at the level of Aaron Donald in terms of you know having a contract, you know, get you know having to sign him up. But it would be, he would have to be one of those players that you think would be at the top of the list. He's just a fantastic player, and would be a big gaping hole on defense if he should go somewhere else. Yeah, I'm with you. Joiner was huge this year, one of the biggest surprises on the team. He was always been a good player, but we never, I never saw this coming. How good he was this year. And I would love to have him around. I hope we can get him at a good deal because I think somebody's going to pay him a lot of money. It might be us. It might be someone else. But here's the one thing I want to say and why I'm not super worried about joiners as other people are. Every preseason, we look at the Rams roster and go, they need help at safety, man. They, they need safeties. They're thin. The guys at the top aren't that good. And every year, we end up with one of the best safety tandems in the league i every year we find guys we found rodney mcleod we found mo alexander we got tj mcdonald this year we got joiner and john johnson i mean give less studious credit he's like the michael jordan of finding safeties because every year we're in this hole and every year we come out with guys now would i rather just lock up joiner and not have to deal with that if we can get him at a good deal yeah but we do have a lot of players to worry about and Joiner should be at the top of that list, and I'd love to keep him around, but I have all faith in Lesney when it comes to safety. Wish I had that kind of faith in him on offensive players, man. I don't at <laughs> all, but for some reason, we come out with these safeties out of nowhere every year. I know Joiner wasn't one of them, but every year we just have random guys going there like, oh, he looks great. He looks great. Now, looking at the numbers here, comparing here to other players, age group, performance, contract status. Uh, other when they got when they signed Eric Berry was signed to a six year deal and when he was age twenty eight he makes an average salary of thirteen mil. Harrison Smith 
at age 27, signed a five-year deal, average salary about 10.2. Earl Thomas, at age 24, signed a four-year deal, worked 10 mil flat. Terrell Matthew, 12.5 a year at age 24. It's a five-year deal. How'd they compare? Eric Berry had an average rating of 86. Harrison Smith, this is from Track. the ratings are, by the way, 88.8. Earl Thomas, 81.7. I thought it would be a little higher than that. Uh, Terrell Matthew, 85.5. LaMarcus Joyner last year, 84.5. So he's actually a little bit lower than um, the most of those guys, uh, Earl Thomas being the, the one difference. The calculated market value for him, and we've talked, we, again, I'm going to say it, I'm beating this horse pretty, pretty deadly here. Um, the market value, sport tracks, and so on and so forth, have that 10.6. Again, reminder, just a side note, folks. Teams at the market not websites, so we can. It's just a kind of an average, an estimate. Ten point six. Is that a fair market value for him? Where do you think he's going to go, guys? I think that's about right. And when we talk about the market value, I think it's really just super flawed with Watkins because I believe the algorithm said it based it on performance for the previous two seasons, your age, and the players that are getting paid around your age and your performance. So with Watkins coming off of an injured season and the worst year of his career, the guys that are he's going to be hovering around are not the guys in the money he's going to be talking. So with Joyner's cap, I think that is a fair number, and I think he'll be in that nine to eleven million dollar range. You know, Rodney McLeod when he got his deal after probably a little less of a season, he's got a uh, eight million in the first year, nine or. Close to $10 million in the second year, close to $11 million in the third year. And I think, you know, around that type of Rodney McLeod deal would be fitting for Joyner. And I think we would value him a little bit more than we valued McLeod at the time. And I think they will put an emphasis on keeping him. I was just looking at, at Joyner's market value, and I don't know if they could, if Rams management maybe could incentivize him to maybe, you know, backload the contract a little bit. If sweeten the pot, maybe give him a little bit more maybe a little bit less in year one and then start building it up, especially if he performs to value. Uh, but like I said, somewhere between nine and 10 million, maybe to start it and then maybe bump them up to 11 million or 12 as, you know, if performance peaks it up. I always feel like they could backload the contract, sweeten the deal and, you know, get something to, if they you know, get something worked out so they can bring them back in. All right. So just to finish things off for today, guys, Aaron Donald, pay the man. Okay, LaMarcus Joyner, pay the man. We, well, that's something we seem to be in agreement here. That those are the guys we, we definitely know they need to get taken care of. We believe, I'm guessing here, we believe they're going to get Joyner taken care of. But is there anything else, anyone else you th- that will surprise us in the next two weeks as the Rams head into free agency? That's a good question. I, you know, for some reason I think John Sullivan comes back. I don't know how the deal will be, but I feel like they're not going to want to start fresh at center. Maybe that's something they target in the draft, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see him on the team again. And I think, in addition to that, you know, and kind of echoing what Cam said, I think that they're going to focus on bringing back their guys rather than going after anybody. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't really make any moves getting guys from other teams, unless it's really low, low value bargain type guys, because they do draft well on the defensive side of the ball usually and assuming that Watkins comes back 
the only real help they're going to need on that offensive side of the ball is at center. And I think that they're confident enough to draft guys on the defensive side that can step up right away that if Tremaine Johnson or Joyner or Roby Coleman, if we're unable to retain them, if we had to cut Quinn or Barron, I think they're confident in themselves to replace those guys in the draft. Okay, Martin, final thoughts. I'm going to make a bold statement. It's not the most popular one, but I have my doubts that Sammy Watkins is going to get signed or re-signed back. I know uh, Cameron was talking about it earlier, but my gut feeling is for what he may ask, and they may, you know, like I said, they may tag him in franchise, but I feel like my gut's telling me they're going to use that $16 million. They could use it on, you know, somewhere else. Maybe get another offensive player, you know, another receiver, or maybe someone on the defensive end to pay the players. But my, I'm going to go bold, and I'm going to say they're just not going to – I think Sammy's going to walk one way or another. I think that's my gut feeling. There we go, guys. I'm, I'm thinking we need to do a podcast on grading less need. I think we need to plan that one out, guys. Having this conversation about what he's done defensively and then think about what he's done offensively. I think that needs to be where we go as we head into free agency. So let's folks, let's go ahead and put that in the books. Our next podcast taping for next uh, will be out. This one will be out Thursday morning. Check out next Tuesday. We'll have our grading less need show. I'll give a quick shout out real quick. Go. Uh, two quick things. I just saw on Twitter, Seven Bailey participating in West Virginia's pro day. So it looks like he's trying to get back out there. Friend of the podcast. Congrats to Stedman. Also, uh, if you haven't been following Chris Long on Twitter, he's out in Mount Kilimanjaro with Steven Jackson, Connor Barwin, and a bunch of veterans and other NFL players doing things for his Waterboy charity. Uh, Chris Long, we've talked about on the podcast, one of my favorites. So proud of both of those guys. Martin? Um, just quick shout-out to Rams Nation. I hope to be a part of this podcast a lot more regularly, and uh, glad to be a uh, part of the team. All right, so before we go, hey, check us out on iTunes. That five-star review would make us feel really, really good about ourselves. If you have any feedback for us, hey, leave us a voicemail, guys. Ask a question. We'll answer on the show. Give us a call at 657-666-5453 or email us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. In the meantime, go to iTunes, at review. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Android. Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. We're all over the place. You can tune in, listen to us live. You can find Steve on Twitter at, go ahead and say it, Steve. At Steve Ribeiro. Okay. Martin, where can they find you on Twitter? At mcruz1988. You can find me at DC Apollo. Also, for our guest, uh, Cameron DeSilva, you can find him at Cam da Silva. Again, it's at Cam da Silva. He's the managing editor of the Rams Wire. All right. For our crew here tonight, for Martin, for Steve, this is Derek C. Paul. We're saying we'll see you next week. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.